episode 43. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I hope everyone is happy and healthy in the world. Thank you for joining me again on episode 43. I hope wherever you are, it's a wonderful day, it's a wonderful evening. Whatever time of year you might be listening to this at the moment, it's Flaming June in London. Flaming June 2018. Just to mark that. And uh, we're not going to go on about the weather, but it's a glorious day. Another glorious day. You'd think the weather was perfect in London all the time, but no. Um, it's a wonderful, 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 beautiful, bright day. So I'm very happy and chirpy, so go with me. Um, this week I have the pleasure of chatting to the wonderful and marvellous Mr Patrick Wilde. Now, some of you may know Mr Patrick Wilde already. Uh, he is a writer, screenwriter, uh, playwright, and he has written four every kind of television show from the big soaps eastenders um he's written for monica the glen casualty family affairs holby um on and on he wrote for one of the big shows in the 90s but it was a big youth show called this life youth being when i say youth it was for 20 somethings 30 somethings um and it was kind of quite groundbreaking at the time and it's a classic and you should check it out he is also for listeners around the world if you go onto netflix and you go into the lgbt uh, section of netflix you will find a film called get real and mr patrick wilde wrote that based on a play that i was in called what's wrong with angry in the 90s um anyway i want to move quickly into our chat because there's a lot of ground to cover as you can imagine he's also he also worked with uh, tim rice and uh had exciting experiences with gun fire outside one of his shows in pakistan so i'm going to let him tell us the story so i'm going to jump into recommendations in a moment but first um and she wouldn't want me being sombre about this, but I'd like to dedicate this episode to a lovely lady who I worked with for many years called Tony. Tony with an I. And she was a lovely lady, very, very, very down to earth, and uh, sometimes put me in my place um, if I was waxing too lyrically about theatre and things. Um, but yeah, she had a heart of gold. Anyway, so she did. She's not sadly with us anymore. She passed away last week. She was an avid listener of the podcast and also a neighbour of a few streets away of mine. So she was very much part of my life um, for a few years. And anyway, I'd like to dedicate this to her memory. And as I say, she wouldn't like people being too maudlin. Um, and she was a listener and she would t be telling me to get on with it. So I'm going to get on with it. Um, so let's jump straight in with recommendations. And uh, though people have been, there's been a lot of buzz in the last couple of days about the Carters, which is the Jay-Z Beyonce album uh, under their name, under their married name, the Carters. Um, I haven't heard it yet, so I can't give you an opinion. And I may not. If I don't like it, then I won't talk about it because, you know, that's not the way I work. I really talk about things I like uh, when it's uh, music and theatre on the whole anyway um so the first recommendation this week is an uh, indie folk singer songwriter called riley walker riley r-y-l-e-y walker as in walking dead walker and riley is from illinois um he's a very clever chap he plays a lot of instruments he plays all the guitars and when i say he plays all the guitars he plays every kind of guitar with every number of string on it um he's one of those people um and his album is called deaf man glance deaf man glance by riley walker 
um, there is a song on it called 22 Days, which is such, such a mellow track. Um, I think it should be heard in the country with cider and chicken wings. It feels like one of those and lots of good friends. Um, but I think it's one of my favourite songs this year. So Riley Walker, Deaf Man Glances the album and go to 22 Days as a, as a starting point. Um, also, and this is a song from last year and as far as I can tell it, it wasn't a major hit anywhere but it should be and it should be a pride anthem for 2018 and it's called My Life and it's by Just Kidding and Dirty Radio. I, when I say these names I do sound like such an old man by Just Kidding and Dirty Radio. Um, kidding is without a G on the end, so it's just Kidding and Dirty Radio. Anyway, the song is called My Life. It's a total, total, total anthem. And we've been talking a lot about Pride in the last couple of episodes, so I'd say go for this one. If you're looking for something to get ready to, at any Pride, in anywhere in the world, this is definitely one to jump on. Um, let's claim this as an anthem. Um, and some people would call it, probably describe it as a banging tune. <laughs> and hands in the air it's an absolute it is an absolute banger of a tune so go and discover that um somebody did ask why i don't ever include music on my podcast why don't i play clips and the reason i don't for those who don't know why and wouldn't understand why it's basically because i'd have to pay rights and i don't have the cash for that and um you'll never you never know maybe down the line that will be something will happen um i have lots of great guests ahead coming up over the summer i'm looking forward to chatting to lots of great fun and interesting people um but let's go to episode 43 which this week as i say is with mr patrick wilde so let's hand it over to patrick so mr patrick wilde hello and thank you for giving me your time today you're very welcome um now I have known you since 1993. Yeah, I worked that out earlier. That's a terrifying thought. It's crazy, isn't it? Um, so the um, last century, in fact, that's another way of looking at it. <laughs> it's, <laughs> wow, it's, it's uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, sitting down and actually figuring out what year it was, but that, that shocked me to the, to the core. But um, so, yes, you're a professional writer and director, and I, I knew you first as both of those really um and it was in your play what's wrong with angry which i was involved in at oval house theater and battersea arts center did been yeah that actually was 94 but i think we did meet the year before because the first performance of what's wrong with angry was at the lost theater yes. uh, uh, the old lost theater now renamed the stockwell playhouse yes indeed and we uh, we must have met socially before that uh, I be, be, believe was you, nice, what I was going to say. Yeah, I believe you came to you met Justin Shevlin, the actor Justin Shevlin. Do you remember him? Yes, I do. Um, and we were doing another country. And that's right. Yes, that's I think how we first actually yeah. met socially. Um, my goodness, when I could play school. Well, I've never seen you before because I cast you in my play, so I can't, I'm sure I didn't just meet you in the street. And... The, yeah, <laughs> hello. I know it was quite a small. <laughs> part, but... <laughs> the gay scene was much smaller in those days. It was. Uh, um, <laughs> um, and just to to get so the listeners kind of know our connection, and then we'll jump into your history. But um, and then you co-directed uh, production of Torch Song trilogy that I did at the Edinburgh Festival. 
Um, and then in 2007, uh, you directed my second play, Lightning Strikes, at the Dublin Gay Theatre Festival, Project Arts Theatre in Dublin. 2007, was that? God I know, gosh. even that's... I know, that's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, um, has in Dublin. <laughs> yes, I mean... It's a great play. You should, you should revive it. I, I, yes, it's just, there is still a, re, a revised version that um, I should, I should, I'm, I'm. Well, I'll, I'll tell you about what I'm, I'm doing when, I, when, when the listeners aren't around because I've got another idea at the moment. But anyway, um, and um, and that was with Mr. David Ames, who is now uh, star of, well, star of screen, star in, of screen in Hobie City, in Hobie City, which you have written for yourself, so. Okay, but over the years, yes, it's I'm trying not to say that too often. But uh, it's funny how yeah, I denied six or seven hobbies in the end. I haven't done one for a few years, right? So, uh, haven't written for David, although I would like to. Yeah. I think he's good, by the way. I really do. And yeah. I've been catching up with it recently. Mm. Uh, I think it's quite interesting what they're doing with it. I think it's very different to when I was writing for it. But, um, have you seen any of Tony's episodes? Uh, I have seen one. He's done two. Has he done? Two? I've seen one. I've seen one of his casualties now, maybe. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's funny yeah. how they and both who were both in Lightning Strikes. There we go. How, how there's the connection. And there's the connection. But let's go back to the very beginning because it's a very good place to start. Um, where were you born? <laughs> and if you want to sing, <laughs> you don't want to I was born in London. Uh, I was actually born in Westminster Hospital. Uh, but I lived the first three years of my life in Peckham, right, and right. then we moved to Streatham. And it's funny that my earliest memories of the first day in the house in Streatham—I have no memory of Peckham whatsoever—but I can rem- I can remember arriving in a small van uh, in Streatham and uh, running up the stairs and looking out. I think it's because we lived on the ground floor in Peckham, and I'd never been sort of lived had an upstairs before. <laughs> Uh, and certainly that is my first memory wow. and we actually as a family my father owned so that would have been 1961 okay my father only my mother's passed on but my my, my father only left that house two years ago wow. to go to a care home so that's, that. that's oh, I didn't one of the only family home i've ever known and it's kind of weird now because of course it's been sold to sure. pay for his care sure uh, and uh yeah it's, it's a kind of it was always an anchor in my life as an impoverished actor, writer, director, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I, I never felt that I was, would ever be homeless because uh, that home was always there. Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Fantastic to me a number of times back in my young career uh, and with my tail between my legs and uh, they, you know, lived there again. Wow. So I do feel for young people who move, because artists tend to move to London, rightly or wrongly. And I, yeah, being a Londoner, I think I had an advantage. And being a Londoner from a fantastic family as well, because uh, I never felt those things. I never felt I was going to starve to death. And I never, I never felt I had to go and do a proper job, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was so supported by my, by my family. That's crazy that, the, that, that, your, that your family, that your home that you pretty much grew up in, was still in the family up till a couple of years ago. That's insane. Yep. That's just, you don't hear that very often anymore. Certainly no, not, I, not, not, not in London. Day and it was, um, you know, whoever's bought it, uh, they've now put a loft extension. I mean, it's almost unrecognisable. It's quite sad, actually. I mean, I'm, I'm mm. sure it's lovely inside. Mm. But, yeah. It hey, was, I, I mean, just on that on that topic, just because it, it comes to mind, the whole, I mean, and this is the anniversary of the Grenfell Tower, Mm-hmm. Um, was there was a, you may have seen the documentary um, and it was I think it was last night and uh, a woman who it was about the people who grew up 
in the area and there was a woman who I, I have got it on sky plus i haven't seen it's it. it's incredible that there's a woman who lived in uh, one of those huge mansions that are five million and more whatever that she used to live in two rooms of it with five members of a family and on like another top floor of it and she doesn't feel that she can even walk down the street where she wow yeah it's, it's a, it was such a hideous thing I mean, yeah. I mean, the whole thing, but just you know, the the, the the disconnect between the two worlds that kind of feels like it's great. Anyway, that's just kind of the history of London, and that which you see that all the time, gentrification. But anyway, that's another podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so no, 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 I'm, 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 I'm London. I'm in, yeah, I'm Londoner born and bred, and I'm proud of it. Some when people ask me about my nationality, I'm so confused about whether I'm English or British or yeah. I'm actually Anglo Indian in a way. My, my father's half Irish. Yeah. So I feel most of all, I feel a Londoner. Yeah. I mean, that's not a nationality, but I sometimes feel that London is a nation. It is a country. On, of its, it's so different to the rest of the United Kingdom. And there is the point uh, now where we wish we could perhaps, if we could only be a moment where you wish you could be a separate country and we could absolutely. have our own laws. And... We wouldn't be doing Brexit in London, that's for sure. Yeah, no, exactly. So, uh, um, respect to the rest of the country. Let the rest yeah. of the country get on with it. Yeah, yeah, but let them get on with it, yeah. We are sticking with Europe, but hey... <laughs> That's not so, this democracy. is a this is oh. another podcast we have we have definitely got two there I think um, <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, jumping back again um, f- so so you went to school your majorly school was Streatham Streatham area then yeah I went to St Andrews uh, Roman Catholic Primary School my family were Catholic mm. uh, uh, and the school is still there mm. and I then went to because I was quite clever I went to the Salesian College Grammar School in Battersea. Uh where I was educated by priests, which explains a lot. <laughs> and, uh, I actually have very fond memories of the school, um, and uh, mainly because I was a bit of a swap, but also because that's when I developed my love of um, the great passion of my life, which is football, and uh, played yeah. football for the school teams, etc., etc. But I lo- and, uh, people have horror stories about their school days, particularly gay people. Yeah, uh, I didn't. I wasn't, I wasn't out at school. Nobody was in those days. No. The 70s, but uh, I never felt bullied. I know I wasn't bullied. Basically, I, there were boys who were bullied there. Yeah. Subsequently, you know, there have been issues with that. School is closed down now okay. uh, for a variety of reasons. But uh, you know, there, there were allegations of abuse, etc., etc. I never any. But uh, you know, I think that probably goes on in all single sex schools or a lot of single sex schools. Um, or back then, anyway, before mm-hmm. there was safe. I mean, it's incredible. What, you know, those those teachers were allowed to hit us. You know, yes. never mind. They were sm- you know, smack you around the back of the head. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we we accepted it. Yeah, just that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it was still yeah, even even in my kind of uh, well middle school time, that was still occurring to some degree. So yeah, it's not it's not that long ago. Um, so it was basically so it was a happy time for you. I mean, that's that's great that school. So and you were, I mean, it was tricky. I mean, I knew I was gay. I mean, I. Kind of knew I was gay from the age of I don't know nine, ten, eleven, whatever. Yeah. And starts having certain feelings. Yeah. Uh, was I hung up about it? Not particularly. No. I, I don't know whether I thought I'd grow out of it or whatever. But I, you know, I was at an all boys school, so uh, you know, it was uh, none, none of that sort of thing went on yeah. at my school. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, I had crushes and uh, all of those things so it's quite exciting in a way weirdly i always assumed i would get married you know to a woman um at some point even though i knew i was gay Mm. um uh, and rather strangely i never had a girlfriend 
for obvious reasons. Yeah. And just after I left the school, the sixth form took in two girl pupils. It was right. a department. And I went back to my school to direct the first play I ever directed, which was uh, Julius Caesar. Uh-huh. Uh, William. And one of the girls was helping with the lighting. Yeah. She became my girlfriend. Oh, really? <laughs> and my brother, who was still in school, yeah. went out with the other girl. <laughs> so, just my real name is Murray, not Wild. Uh, yes, yes. So the Murray brothers cornered cornered all the uh, <laughs> all the female attention at the school. So you were the the, the studlies of the whole of the you know we, we were to, to capture the first women <laughs> in through the doors, and they were there. Um, uh, Carol, Carol's lovely, and then rather confusingly, I was in love with her. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. So I suppose I used to define myself as bisexual at that time. Sure. Which was, I never was looking back on it. Right. I mean, we had a, a perfectly uh, lovely sex life and I enjoyed it, but yeah. I didn't, I've never had sex with anybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, in fact, she dumped me. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, I don't blame her. <laughs> but, uh, was it the clothes? <laughs> <laughs> it was my taste in music, I suspect. <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, yeah, so she was, I mean, I, I know a lot of gay men who, who've never had sex with women or whatever. I, 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 oh, yeah. Well, I'm kind of glad I did, really. I'm glad I... Not that I think you should or whatever. I yeah. Think you do what you do. But exactly. I... Yeah, and it was the first great love affair of my... Certainly the first consummated love affair of my life was yeah. with a, a girl. And a great friend probably was a, a great friendship as well. That's the... It, it was. I mean, I did tell her, and this is a good story. Uh, I mean, it was on my mind that I should tell her. Yeah. Uh, and we went to a pub. Uh, in Clapham with some other friends and uh, I had a few pints and, and plucked up the courage and I told her I, I told her I was bisexual and uh, she cried a bit and and then we had a hug etc etc and it was cool now yeah. that pub was a straight pub at the time and it was called the Two Brewers no way <laughs> so that would have been something like 1979 no 19- so I think somebody overheard me <laughs> and thought, what a good idea oh wow that's incredible and for people outside of london people outside of uh, the uk two brewers i have talked about before is one of south london's premier night spots absolutely um, oh but i spent most of the 80s and early 90s on the dance floor at the two brewers yes. i can see huge chunks of the sequences in what's wrong with angry on the dance floor at the two brewers with a bottle of poppers in my hand. I, I believe uh, I've witnessed. I, 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 I saw. I saw it live. <laughs> um, goodness me! Yes, I think that was uh, that. That was that would have been yeah early nineties. Oh my goodness! Um, uh, just to kind of tie up school before we jump onto the whole theatre and th- where, where you decided football and theatre. Well, theatre was probably going to be the choice rather than football. So when did you? Um, when did you first? When did you first act in a play? When was the first play you? I mean, obviously you probably did uh, nativities and things, but when was the first full script that you did at school? Uh, actually, in my first couple of years at Solution College, I uh, that's the, the the school I was at. Yeah. I uh, um, I did a couple of plays, school plays, basically. But then I never went here. I didn't do the school play, and the sixth form used to do the school play. I didn't. I didn't do it there. Right. And actually, my love of theatre would developed out of a love of Shakespeare. Uh, I mean, I'm a, having said football is my first love. I mean, I'm a Shakespeare fanatic. Mm. Uh, and uh, a good friend of mine, a gentleman called Steve Lee, who you know. Yes, indeed. 
who was at school with me. We went back to our school uh, after we left and said we'd like to direct Julius Caesar. And they let us, the fools. <laughs> and, and we did a production of Julius Caesar in Modern Dress, which we thought was groundbreaking. And, <laughs> and, and looking back on it, it must have been terrible. But I actually acted in that as well. Right. So that was my first kind of acting experience. Um, and then we went back the next year and did Hamlet, unbelievably, which I didn't act in. I just directed it. Yes. Because I and, mean, I, I did. I mean, obviously, I know lots of your history, but then I was just double checking to see what the first thing is, and I think I, I saw that Hamlet was your first kind of big undertaking, and you were eighteen or yeah. so. Yeah, I would have been nineteen, pushing twenty by then. Right, but right. St I started with the easy stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yes. <laughs> wow. Uh, so that that was that really, and now I was so you know it's a cliche, but having been on stage and having been around, and literally the smell of the grease paint in those days, because that's the, that was the makeup mm, we were using, mm. which is still such an evocative smell, which oh, yeah. I don't think they, they really use anymore. They might do panto. Panto, and stuff. it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. but you would you would know about such things. Indeed, it's still uh, there, that smell. <laughs> yeah, um, but I love that smell. It's kind of it's kind of sexy as well. It's weird. It's, yeah, uh, it's, it's very evocative. You're right. It's it's and it is. It does feel like you're stepping back into history when you when you put the slap on. You literally slap. Yeah. Well, as I said, I uh, when I was leaving university, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I thought I was going to be a journalist, and a friend of mine was auditioning for the postgraduate, the new postgraduate course at Mount View, yeah. and uh, I auditioned as well, and I got in. <laughs> didn't, but that's that's ancient history. Uh, <laughs> I didn't go to Mount View in the end. I took a year out basically to think about what I wanted to do. Sure. My parents weren't, I mean, they weren't against me being an actor, but I can see they weren't thrilled. <laughs> so I spent a year doing various bits and pieces, a bit more amateur dramatics. Um, but I, you know, I, in the end I auditioned for Weber Douglas, the, the wonderful Weber Douglas Academy. Yes. And I got in there. So your, your year out, was that kind of to placate your parents a bit and say, look, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this and, and watch me carry on before I, we all start spending money on drama schools? What's really interesting about this process of talking to you at the moment is that I'm sort of reevaluating my life. <laughs> That's what it's about. It's kind of, uh, how much do you charge? <laughs> yes, uh, £25 a It wasn't day. conscious of that, I don't think, that I... I just, uh, it may have been a bit of that. I mean, my, my mum used to do things like leaving um, newspaper cuttings on my desk with, uh, for job, uh, you know, proper jobs. Sure. Like, <laughs> lawyers and stuff like that. Oh, right. And dad wanted, I wish I had been a lawyer. <laughs> I'd be much richer now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I'm joking. I don't know. No, really. you don't. No, you don't. Uh, um, uh, and my dad wanted me to be a civil servant because he that's what that's what he had been and it's you know back in those days i'm not sure it's the same anymore but yeah. it was a job for life you know and there was a clear career path and annual promotions and stuff like that yeah but yeah that just was that just was never going to happen for me yeah i was, was clearly going to do something in the creative field yeah. um so anyway uh yeah and also i suppose you know the gay thing i having uh, I, I you know dabbled with heterosexuality briefly mm -hmm. um i uh, finally hit the scene in the early 80s and uh, it was like pandora's box so do you remember the first the first place that you kind of ever stepped out in shall we say well uh, i think it would be 
either of the two brewers. Mm. It was a very short transition from me turning my girlfriend <laughs> in this great pub to the two brewers being a gay pub. I have to say. <laughs> um, or it, heaven. I mean, heaven was the thing. As as you know, there's a there's a big speech in What's Wrong with Hungary, yes. which one of the characters talks about as, as his first experience. And I suppose, you know, I'm very old. You know, Matt. I'm, <laughs> my <laughs> memory. Not. A little bit muddled, but uh, <laughs> th- that that feeling of going to heaven for the first time, yeah, and walking up those steps and looking out onto that sea of men, basically, yeah. as as I think uh, I describe in the play, it was the smell actually. Uh-huh. I think I'm going to misquote my play now. It was a mix <laughs> of sweat uh, and amyl nitrate and. And I said dot 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 sex. I mean, it just yes. it was it was intoxicating. Yes. Um, and I spent far too much time in heaven over the next ten years, dancing uh, to Sunita and um... Sunita. High energy, high energy music was my thing. High energy, yeah, still is, and uh, <laughs> they don't make it anymore. But uh, no. it's, uh, I know, it's, yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure it's very profound music or stimulating intellectually, but no. it. it I think it's yeah. important. I actually do think it's a very important part of, of certainly of, uh, well, any big city's gay history. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was part of my, that was what I came out to. That was what I was secretly listening to before I even realised it was gay music. Exactly. And those uh, songs were very aggressive and very in your face and very defiant. Mm, quite punk. Before we... You know, before we got really defiant, which was just you know three or four years ago, which because of course there I was a young, hopefully attractive young man yeah, on the gay yeah. scene in the early eighties, uh, having a, a wonderful time, yeah. and then suddenly the whole AIDS thing kicked in, and it was yeah kind of shocking. I mean, I didn't, it didn't stop me going clubbing, and it didn't no. stop me having sex, but you know, it was uh, it was an extraordinary it was an extraordinary time to be a young man on the gay scene yeah. in London. Yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, you know, like a lot of people in my generation, I lost friends, and uh, sure, sure. somehow we kept going. And yeah, that that defiance. Uh, there's a line in one of my plays which is very controversial, where one of the gay characters says, "AIDS is the best thing that ever happened to us," um, which right, always yeah. gets a sharp intake of breath from the audience. Mm-hmm. But my point was. It's not necessarily a particularly original point now, but that it was that crisis which really mobilised us as a community, yeah. uh, and that we suddenly it suddenly was a matter of life and death, and not just life choice or life preference or you know yeah. wanting to have you know you know it was suddenly about life and death, and um, you know I'm not saying I I'm glad AIDS happened because clearly I'm not. No, no, no. It was it was an extraordinary time, as I say, to be young and militant, and I suppose it kind of formed my activism. I mean, I'm not yeah. the most uh, prolific activist, but I have been an activist, and uh, yeah, it was extraordinary. Well, that was my first kind of memory of you, and I suppose um, just being a bit younger than you, I did sort of... Well, I have to say. <laughs> um, but I did look up to and go, okay, this is the way, this is, this is, this is a way to to live especially because there was the theater bent on the, on the whole thing um but also just i thought okay well this is this is somebody who has dealt with um or losses due to aids and and uh, everything connected with it and um i was kind of jumping in and that was my that was really for me was was the beginning of my of 
uh, that was really when I came out. I mean, I was out mm-hmm. at drama school, but when I really sort of went out and started living a, a gay life, I suppose, and going out on the scene, and 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 so having having people like yourself to kind of uh, as uh, well, and and asking you questions about things over the years has always been uh, uh, it's been great. So I mean, I appreciate. Yeah. It was interesting because uh, you know we we did connect at the Lost Theatre, and and so Cecil probably won't hear this. I don't know much we will, but you know Cecil was yeah. a guy who ran that theatre. But when when I arrived at the Lost Theatre in 1985, mm. um, and was so out about my sexuality, people were shocked. It's, mm. it's funny to think about that now. Mm. And then I had a relationship with a young man called Liam, who was a stage manager at the theatre, yeah. uh, and we were very open about our relationship and. I think you know. I think people have complimented me on that and the openness of it and how it's helped them. But also, some people hated it. I have to say, they yeah. hated. It. I remember a young actress, Liam, and I were cuddling and canoodling in Edinburgh in the flat that we were all sharing, and she asked us to take it to the bedroom. Oh. <laughs> wow! I was shocked. I was so shocked. I mean, she was a good friend as well. Um, and you think that's a safe place? I mean, you think being yeah. in well, I suppose it probably is now, but. It, that it wasn't always that's it's insane yeah um actually jumping back because i want to talk about there's so much i want to cover and i don't want to keep you all day but um all just right. to <laughs> just to to jump you to 1989 and the first time and i'm emphasis on first time you directed uh blondel tim rice's blondel yes um which at that point you didn't have any clue that down the line you were going to be revisiting with him, the man himself. No, I went to see it, and I don't want to query your research. I'm not sure it was 89, because... I think it was on your website. (laughs) I don't know, maybe I've got it wrong. So my fault, was it? Uh, Yeah, well, it was was late 80s, definitely. Right, okay. Uh, And we did it at Lost again. And basically, I'd been to see it. Uh, Steve, uh, who I referenced earlier, was always my partner in crime. Uh, lost as a co-director or whatever he uh, we and we loved it and i know the critics didn't <laughs> right okay. but uh you know so we got the amateur rights and we did it and uh i think for lost it was a very ambitious project because you know lost as you know has a lot of famous alumni like mm. etc etc et but mm-hmm. you know it, it was a small operation yeah with no, with no money uh and uh, f- from a musical point of view particularly i think it was it was very um, Adventurous, and I think it went off. And of course, famously, Tim Rice um, and Stephen Oliver, the composer who unfortunately is, is no longer with us, um, came to see it. Yeah, uh, and loved it. So that was good. <laughs> uh, having said that, that was the last time I directed a musical for nearly twenty years. Um, yeah, the next thing I did want to talk about because this uh, has always interested me, and we've never really chatted about it in full. Is um, you toured a play around Pakistan called All About Eve, and that it ended it ended in gunfire in the streets of Lahore. Can you? Can, can well, most of my productions that? tend to end in gunfire. <laughs> I mean, in the streets. No, uh, I uh, yeah, an actress uh, called Marin Heathcote uh, came to me. In fact, she played. Um, Gertrude to my Hamlet, okay. which I played twice, by the way, uh, in the late. You've skipped over that, but never mind. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> you've managed to managed to shoot Hamlet back I, in there. I did, you know, I covered that. I played a lot of, I did, I played a lot of classical theatre. Sure, not at the highest, but uh, anyway, uh, Marilyn played my mother, 
and uh, we became friends. And she wrote this one-woman show called All About Eve, which has nothing to do with the uh, film. Yes. Which was about uh, famous women through history. And she um, did. I just say one-man show about a, a woman. I think you did say woman. I heard woman. I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just wanting to hear woman, but you I just don't want to be pillory. <laughs> uh, oh, the eggshells we tread on. I know. Days, but... <laughs> Audience, go with us on this one. Um, <laughs> It was a one-woman show yes. performed by a woman, and she, it was very well written, and she got some funding from the British Council. I don't know how, but she did. Mm. And we were, what was weird about it was we rehearsed it. She had a, a flat in Covent Garden, which sounds really grand, mm, but it was yes. a estate uh, flat, so the flat was tiny. Uh, I mean, yeah. really, and we rehearsed this epic <laughs> in her tiny little flat, and I'm thinking... You know, I was paid a little bit of money, whatever, and I yeah. got to go to Pakistan, which is amazing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, assuming it was a small project. And we arrived there, and it was huge. There right. were billboards with her face on, uh, really? <laughs> driving from the airport. And I started to panic at this point, because I thought, God, who's going to come and see this? Yeah. But yeah, we uh, we were basically taken out, out there by a family known as the Pizada family, who uh-huh. were quite big in Pakistan theatrically. And uh, we rehearsed, first of all, we were rehearsing, doing the dress rehearsal in their little studio, and I heard gunfire in the street. Oh, my goodness. And I said to the guy, that's gunfire. He said, yes, yes, it's perfectly normal. Oh. Wow. <laughs> so, we, so we carried on, regardless, show must go on. Yeah. Uh, and then we played in Karachi to an audience of about 400 people, which was just extraordinary. Yeah. And it was very well received. Uh, and then the show went on to Lahore. Now, I had to come back to direct... A production of Romeo and Juliet over here at Lost, actually. Yeah. And uh, Marilyn went on with the show, and it was in Lahore that there was there was a riot and gunfire, etc. Because without boring people about the politics of the time, and Benazir Bhutto had just become the president. Yes. And uh, in Karachi, that was a kind of Bhutto stronghold, but Lahore they hated her. Yes. And there was a passage in the play where Marilyn uh, recited from Benazir Bhutto's book. And that just didn't oh, go down very well. Okay. So everyone's a critic. <laughs> wow. That's Extraordinary. Amazing. I mean, I wasn't. I wasn't there for the right. No, but just f- as well. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's funny how people feel so strongly about stuff, isn't it? All she was doing was reading. Well, she was. You know, she'd learnt it. Uh, a passage, a very moving passage, because Benazir Bhutto was in in prison. Sure. Um, it's a very a very volatile country, Pakistan. Just uh, still is now, but was particularly then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She was yeah, she yeah, was yeah. eventually assassinated. Oh yes, absolutely. Uh, so that you know that we were seeing the precursor of that. I mean, she was assassinated. That was 1990, I think. I directed that show, yeah. but it was remarkable. Also, because my as I think I hinted earlier, my my parents were born in India. Yes. So I'm sort of Anglo-Indian, but I've never actually been to India. Yeah. But I did get to go to Pakistan. As far as my father is concerned, that's the same thing. Because of course, when he was there, uh, it was the same thing mm-hmm. that Pakistan mm-hmm. and, uh, and Bangladesh yes. didn't exist. Yes. I'm put off going to India. I'd love to go. Uh, everybody I know who goes to India gets ill. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you that's... know. With and I, in fact, in Pakistan, I did for three days. I couldn't be more than ten meters from a toilet. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And the older I get, I, I, I would love to go. It looks like a, I watch every documentary there is on it. I, it looks the most extraordinary country, uh, and I would love to go. Maybe that's. But a, we, we, that's we will see. A trip down the line. Indeedy. Um. Incredible. I'm going to I'm going to jump ahead because a little bit, a little bit. Um, 
No, not at all. It's just that you have you've it's been never so been prolific. Said you've been so prolific. Um, um, let, let's go. I mean, it's. I mean, I know there was there were there were uh, shows that you directed in between, but the for you um, kind of the turning point that was what's wrong with angry. Now, can you just give? Um, because our listeners will also know a lot of them are probably we're talking about what's wrong with angry and they will know the film get real because it's now it's on Netflix isn't it it is indeed yes so they can they can watch that but to go back to the where it all began um, can you yeah. give listeners just a, a, a quick a brief synopsis to fill them in so they know what we're talking about yeah yeah I mean, I, having said I wanted to be a journalist at university I never yes. did any writing after that and I, I'd been you know actor director etc etc not very successful uh, at least financially but I you know I always worked and I, I wrote what's wrong with angry because of a personal experience I'd had a relationship with a young man who couldn't cope with the fact that he was gay yeah. not a particularly original scenario <laughs> but uh, well. I kind of wrote the play as, you know, as therapy for me. I, I'm mm. not sure I actually. It's basically about a young man who knows he's gay, doesn't have a problem with it, meets another young man who has a problem with it, and the uh, the various disasters that ensue from that. Yeah. I also put it in the context of Section 28 because you have yes. to remember at this point the age of consent. When I'm writing, the age of consent for gay men is. 21 yeah uh, and section 28 which for those of your listeners who don't know was it was a law that the tory government passed 20, uh, 30 years ago this year yes uh, which, which pro- pro- prohibited local council schools etc from promoting uh, a positive image of homosexuality yeah. which had which which had huge implications for a whole generation of, of young gay people mm-hmm. so that the, the place kind of set in and around a school etc and so it's about uh, how the central character deals with that. So I wrote it and started sending it to friends just to see what they thought. And eventually one of my friends he said, are you ever going to do this? <laughs> <laughs> so we did, as you know, we did it at the Lost Theatre. Um, God bless the Lost Theatre, because I'm not sure if any other theatre would have taken me on as a writer, because I didn't have a pedigree as a writer. And um, the rest is history, as they say. We played oh, yeah. to we, three weeks, and for two weeks we played to about ten people a night. And then the gay press came to see it the glorious capital gay which is no more yes and pink news wrote rave reviews about it and for the last week they were queuing around the block and i remember on the last night being rather grand because they were literally queuing around the block and the stage manager came up to me and said can we squeeze two more in and i said no no they've had their chance they should have come in the first two weeks and he said it's ian mckellen and friend <laughs> yes yes so, so miraculously two seats were found <laughs> Well, my goodness and he then actually uh, sobbed in my arms afterwards which is a very fond memory yeah in strange ways well, you see what no, i mean absolutely, uh, absolutely. Um, and the whole age of consent debate was was going on then in fact the friend he came with was a young man called ralph wilde who was one of the three young men who were taking the british government to the european court uh to sue you know to to get the law changed the age of consent law yes. changed and uh, it was, these were such heady days. I mean, there was so much emotion and so much activism around it. It was fantastic. And my play was a, a small part of that. Yeah. And I remember you did the Oval House, didn't you? You yes. were in it at the Oval House. Yeah. And the day after the Oval House run finished was the vote in the House of Commons, yep. which unfortunately only reduced the age of consent to 18, not 16. So we didn't have parity. Yeah. Again, it was, it was also the night Derek Jarman died, the night after the run finished. It was just... Right. An ex- an extraordinary time. I remember standing outside the House of 
uh, commons with my then partner and various members of the What's Wrong With Angry cast. I was with uh, you for, and for some of that. You were. And when it went to 18, I, <laughs> I'm not sure I should say this, but of course I was disappointed. But actually part of me was thinking, my play still has a shelf life now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because, because in a way, if it had become equal, that, el- that element of the play would have rendered the play a bit of a period piece, which of course, thankfully, now it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so to 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 take and also to give people an idea of I mean for people who aren't th- uh, theatre or people who don't work in the industry in any way shape or form, how you take a play like What's Wrong with Angry and take it to becoming the film that's now um, part of the canon of Netflix gay um, films? How does it? How does that happen? And kind of it, briefly, just so because a lot of people don't won't even be able to comprehend no, how that happens. It happens slowly and painfully, yeah. basically. Yeah. I, uh, I wasn't a writer to that point, but what's wrong with Angry Wants My Writing Career? I got a literary agent and, you know, did lots of other stuff after that. But uh, the, the director and the producer who eventually made Get Real came to see, they would have seen you, in fact, they came to see, do you remember we did that week at BAC, just a short week at BAC? Yes, second we time or, yeah. Yeah. And Simon Shaw, who directed it, and Stephen Taylor, the producer, came to see it because they were looking for a project. Mm-hmm. And one of our backers was the cousin of Simon Shaw. I mean, it's all connections, isn't it? Yeah. And Simon and Stephen saw it and loved it and commissioned me like two weeks later to write the screenplay. So that that was the easy bit, if that's the right word. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it took us from my commissioning in, so that was 94, and uh, we filmed it in 97, and it right. finally... It did, the, it did the festival circuit in 98 it didn't actually open until 99 so it is a slow and painful process there's no real film industry in this country as such mm. it was each film back then it was a very controversial subject mm. so basically we spent a lot of time trying to get the funding and the arts council of england actually did fund it in the end which was fantastic yes. uh and uh, various other bits and pieces you know it's all films are all about finance and putting the finance together which is not my brief really i just write the script sure uh, uh so that's how it happened yeah uh, it was different i mean you know both obviously and they are different beasts in yes. a way though the central yes. love story is the same it's um yeah we had to make changes yeah um, for various reasons um and and for people who haven't i'm just going to say because there'll be lots of people who are older younger or live in different parts of the world that might not have discovered it but it's it's there to 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 go and have a look go and watch do that it is what is lovely i i get you know because it is constantly being discovered well long story short and i have to be careful what i say here i mean the film did have a theatrical release a cinema release and uh, it didn't last very long, mm. uh, even though in the it had won uh, various international awards, including the Edinburgh Film Festival and the Denar mm. Film mm-hmm. Festival. But it was kind of, in my opinion, it was buried slightly by the uh, the publicists who were uncomfortable with it as a, as a film. Right. And um, I mean, it, interestingly, it came out the same year as uh, Beautiful Thing, as yeah. did my play. Yeah. Uh, and Jonathan's play and my play sort of went in tandem in that respect Absolutely. uh with jonathan's play and film which i love they're both fantastic but it's very different to oh, very different yeah it's much more agit prop if you like it's much more political it's much more in your face i suppose mm-hmm. about the politics of, of uh gayness yeah. and uh, people were uncomfortable with that yeah so they yeah. buried it and uh, now people discover it and they say why well, have i never heard of this film and I say, well, <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, I in uh, go and go and see it if you can. And, and you still uh, hear it. You still hear you get um, you, you're you're hearing 
from people who are watching it on Netflix from around the world. Yeah, people, I have a website so people come on there or whatever, or they email, get hold of my email address and tell me how they like it. So oh, that's I'm, brilliant. You know, it's, uh, and Angry, unbelievably, still goes on. And I'm hoping to get a production on this year. Are you? Oh, are you? On this ah, year. It's, okay. going, it's going in Mexico this year. Wow. Uh, so There's a, there's a holiday. Been, <laughs> not sure I'll get that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's been on in it's been in, on in the states a few times and um, Switzerland and various other places. So uh, yeah, it's still the it lives on. It lives on. Um, so this just because uh, also want to talk about um, the um, the show This Life, which was Andrew Lincoln's first break prior to his biggest break prior to Walking Dead and Love Actually and all the other stuff he's done. Um, and that was kind of that was between the play and the film, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Well, once picked up by uh, my agent, um, she also started putting me out for other stuff, and it was kind of a long shot. She put me up for this new thing called This Life. I'd never written for television before, and she sent them the script. All I had then was the script of What's Wrong with Angry, mm. um, and they took a punt on me. I guess there were only four writers on This Life. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I did two of the two of the episodes, and it was kind of a an interesting thing for, as a first commission because the the brief that Tony Garnett, who, who was the, the producer on it, yes. said was uh, there are no rules. He said be as rude as you like. There there are no rules. And what's fascinating if somebody tells you as a writer there are no rules, do what you like, mm. is you start to realise what your parameters are, sure. what you would <laughs> to see, or what would shock you, etc., yeah. etc. Et so. Uh, it was. I mean, I, I mean, it's pretty groundbreaking as a piece. And it was groundbreaking. It seems a little bit old-fashioned now, but all that you know, uh, jerky camera, mm. uh, weird camera angles, jump cuts, etc. Mm. This life was a trailblazer for that in this country. I think it had been done in America before. Yeah, it was done on a very low budget, so a lot of that was to do with uh, uh, invention being the mother of necessity. But uh, yeah. it was. Uh, it just took off. It was just such a cult, and they did two seasons of it. Tried to make a third season, and then that fell apart for some reason. And actually, I'm rather glad it did because I, <laughs> I got more money from uh, reciprocal for that because they kept repeating it sure. for years, repeating my episodes. And uh, they need to put that on um, Netflix UK. I'm, I'm surprised they haven't they haven't grabbed that yet. But I'm sure. Yeah, that is strange. It will happen. It well, must happen. Um, so well, if- I, I mean, I, I, it was a, it was a learning curve because you know I'd never, as I said, never written. I'd never written anything for What's Wrong with Angry, so then to be writing for a television series was quite was quite a leap. Yeah, but um, one that was successful because it, it it kept growing. Um, yeah. And then there was As If, and um, and then I mean I'll 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 we'll do a roll call of all the other shows <laughs> in it shortly, but um, um, but the the, the thing... As If was interesting as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's what As If was for those of you who don't remember it. It was on Channel Four. And it was about six young people who were still kind of in the six in a six one college or something about their trials and tribulations. And it was kind of skins before they made skins. Yeah. And but because it was pre watershed, uh, it couldn't be anywhere near as daring. I thought skins was amazing, by the way. Yes. It was. Uh, at least yeah. uh, certainly the first couple of seasons were, were amazing. And uh, but the stuff we would like to have done with um, as if. We couldn't really do. Mm-hmm. Although I am very proud of the fact that one of my episodes can never be shown again because it receives X number of complaints. Really? 
which just shows how stupid people are. Basically, it was a scene in which there was uh, a couple hiding under a bed for reasons I want to go into, a straight couple. Yeah. Uh, and it was a gay couple on the bed ab- above them. And yeah. from the point of view under the bed, you hear things like, yeah, that's it. Use a bit more oil. Be gentle, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and then, of course, you pan up and uh, he's giving a massage. Right. Like, oh, <laughs> and, yeah, and the, the complaint was upheld. Really? So they... I have to say, I don't think it would be now. No, I, I mean, that was a few years ago. <laughs> you'd well, you, you'd hope, but um, yeah. oh wow, and that was that's that's still that's not that long ago. I mean, uh, no, it's in, it was a, probably about fifteen years ago. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but maybe not. But but yeah, it was. Uh, I, the fact was, it was on in the daytime, and but a lot of the complaints were about. I left my children in front of the television. <laughs> And I came back in and I saw two men cavorting on a bed together. That kind of thing. Cavorting. I love the word cavorting. Cavorting. It is. It's, it's, yeah, uh, yes. We've all, we've all cavorted in that time. Oh, yes, uh, well, I, I, yes, my, my knees don't hold up so well anymore. But uh, <laughs> um, Now, this brings me to, actually, to your to your second film that you scre- screenplayed, um, th- Things to Do Before You're 30. Yes. Um, and that was with uh, the same production team as... No, no, it was the same director. Same director. Um, yeah, Simon Shaw, who's great, but it was actually made by Samuelson Films. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it was based on a, an existing Dutch film called All Stars, which was about a sort of amateur Sunday football team, basically. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. As I've said before, that was one of my passions. Of football so yeah. i think that's sort of what yeah. came to me and uh yeah it wasn't uh you know it wasn't particularly successful i have to say i, I was i was quite proud of the script and uh, it was a you know we we had real problems with the budget and i think simon did an amazing job as a director but we had a great cast we had do gray scott and jimmy mystery uh amelia fox billy piper billy piper of course it was her first movie I and mean, she was that, fantastic that was pre doctor who wasn't it it was pre doctor who yeah so um yeah, it's worth a look. Um, but yeah, um, the film, this, the, as I said, the film industry in this country is so hard. It's so hard, particularly as, you know, these, these indie-ish low-budget films are great, and I had a great time. But, you know, I, sp- I made two films in my life, and that took eight years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I did other stuff as well at the same time, but, you know, you get to the point where you think, wow. I mean, it's. I think it's. It's wonderful now that the opportunities to that there are opportunity that that the ability to make a low budget film is probably a lot. I mean, you know, for 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 people starting out, because I don't want to discourage anybody, but mm-hmm. technology has moved on, and that you can, and you know, there there yeah. are ways and means. Um, and the, the the advent of YouTube and that that's that's all positive stuff. Well, I guess the advent of digital photography. I mean, yeah. That it's, it's not all on. I mean, both my films were made on film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and which and film stock is expensive. Yeah. So, yeah. so every time you cock up or have to go again, it costs you money. Whereas with digital technology, that's not the case. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's an exponential change uh, yeah. to yeah. the way that that industry works. It's yeah. still expensive. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, Two thousand and six. We're going to go back to Blondel. So, how did you and how did the collaboration with Mr. Tim Rice? How did that occur from nowhere? <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I, again, I was sort of still in love with the musical and having done it 
1988 or 89 or whenever it was, I I always wanted to revisit it. I think, and mm. I thought, don't forget, now I'm a writer. When I when I directed it, I was the director, sure. and I thought I see why. Don't sound arrogant, but why the Tim Rice's book wasn't working? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, um, and uh, contacted him. I can't remember how now, but I did. And he was he said he loves it. You know why would he not? He wrote it. Yeah. Um, and uh, we met up, and so that's how it happened. And we took it to the Pleasant Theatre. Yes. Uh, and it did okay. Actually, I still have a tremendous amount of respect for it. There's been another production of it recently uh, in London a couple of years ago. Was that at the Union like, or uh... something? Yes, yes, yes. I mean, I saw okay. your production. I didn't see the other production. I saw yours. That was yeah. the first time, the one and only time I'd seen it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and again, it's a big, it's a big old musical. You know, it's got a. And we we did it again on a slightly limited budget, but uh, it worked well on the pleasant stage. Yeah. I think I'm over it. I don't think I want to. Uh, do you've, it done, again. you've done. You've done. Uh, uh, but we, I think we did between us, Tim and I. Uh, we did tidy up the. Uh, the, the story of the book yeah. and also being I think he's also rewritten it for this this last production so obviously he's still very uh, so he's still into it you know, he's still developing his own work you know yeah. still wants to make it better yeah. and uh, it's interesting because I think Blondel might be the first thing he did after he stopped working with Andrew Lloyd Webber oh really without chess I can't remember um, but I think it might have been Blondel round it was yeah so yeah well that's and then it's a tick you achieved you got him to to fix it for, you helped him fix it let's face it um in in um, in, in, um, in the following year you uh you were directing you obviously directed my play lightning strikes um but then you also directed a play called failed states and we both knew various people involved in that, and that uh, that took you. That was Ed, that was Edinburgh and Pleasance, wasn't it? Uh, I didn't actually. It was done the Pleasance before I got involved. It had had a bit of a history. I mean, it basically it was it was about at the time the laws in the country had changed to en- enable uh, the secret services and the police to detain people for without limit. Basically, yes. this is all yes. anti-terrorism measures and uh, how you know. And uh, Andy Taylor and uh, Desmond O'Connor, not to be confused with a certain other Des O'Connor, <laughs> had, had written this very, I thought, powerful piece of, based on uh, Kafka's The Trial about a man who's arrested. Not, in the trial, he never knows why he's arrested, but, yeah. you know, he was arrested yeah. for alleged terrorist atrocities and uh, or uh, terrorism and uh, he was completely innocent. So, yeah. and I just thought, I think Des O'Connor, Desmond O'Connor is a fantastic composer and um, mm-hmm. I'm collaborating with him at the moment on something. And it's, uh, How are you? It, it's just, uh, yeah, I think it was a fabulous show and we've, we've tried to get it on since I, it may now be slightly dated uh, when well, it is dated because there's a scene in it, which is based around the, uh, the seven, seven bombing in London. Mm-hmm. So I suppose it could still work as a period well, piece. Yeah. Uh, Cause that was but, uh, the crux yeah. of where it all, where, well, where things started to change here. Um, we did so what is now the other palace, which was then St. James. Oh, St. James, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We did it there for a week as well. Yeah. Um, going, because I'm, I'm literally now looking chronologically, but 2008, you revived What's Wrong with Angry. Um, I did. And you did it in rep with Glenn Chandler's of There's Been a Murder, Boys of <laughs> the Empire. And that was... It did. 
King's Head and Edinburgh, or both? Or we did, we did Angry and Boys in the Empire and Rep in Edinburgh. Actually, it was an extraordinary experience yeah. doing two plays at the same time, and both were well received. And it was fantastic. It was the first time I'd done Angry since uh, I did it at the Arts in '96. Yeah. Uh, so Why did you good. think? What What was it that for that year that made you say, "Right, let's pick pick it up." Again, I'm trying to reevaluate what happened now. <laughs> but but uh, I think I'd met Glenn. Glenn was with the same agent as I am with, and oh, okay. uh, she'd sent Boys of the Empire, and we worked a bit together on that with the script. And somebody, I may have been Pete Shaw, who you know, who yes. pro- who co-produced it, who suggested that you know it, it kind of cross cast rather nicely with Boys of the Empire. Right. So, so we did both, and uh, yeah, and then I think Boys of the Empire came to the King's Head Christmas of that year, mm-hmm. two thousand and eight, and then we did it at the King's Head. We did Angry at the King's Head in two thousand and nine, oh, with a slightly year. different plot. Uh-huh. What was interesting is I was forced to revisit Angry and rewrite it slightly because you will know this yeah. from bitter experience that <laughs> what's wrong with Angry for its first incarnation was very, very long. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I was very, very angry. <laughs> I had a lot to write about. Uh, people... Each time I did, it got shorter and shorter and shorter. It's and just... because of Edinburgh, where you can't do, you can't do two-hour plays in Edinburgh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I cut it right down to an hour and a half without an interval. Yeah, and that's quite an interesting process for a writer, you know, the sorting your darlings yes, thing. Yes, yes. Uh, but it was it was a good discipline, and it's interesting now. I kind of live with the with the new version. Yeah, and sometimes when I reread or somebody reminds me of some lines from the old version, I think, oh yeah, that yeah. was in. There. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember the in? Uh, were you did you see it at Lost before you were in it? You must I did. Have done. I did. I yes, I did. Yes, I did. There was a scene in which Stephen and John are in the toilet in the public toilet yeah. and uh, and an irishman walks in and and banters with them yes, <laughs> by yes. Adam Redmay. oh well, geez, that was a oh. little scene but it didn't take the plot anywhere yeah. it was just I mean... like, that actually happened to me that's why it was there and it was kind of, it was just a funny little scene well, but in the end you have to say what well, what's driving the plot because yeah it's all about if, if you're as a writer if the audience is not thinking what happens next you're you're screwed yeah I mean, Rob, that character no, that character could actually have his own, nowadays, yes. that character would have his own show, probably his own show he on would. Channel 4. He would. Um, but, yeah, but he didn't make the cut. I don't think he was ever in the production that you were in. No, no, but what a, what a brilliant I think the very first, produ- the first show at Lost ran for about three and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> you were just figuring and things the sign out. And kept coming and going, and another thing. <laughs> <laughs> figuring things out. Um, yeah. It was just a bit of a rant, some of it. <laughs> the clue is in the title, I think. But yeah, uh, um, yeah. that was the time. I think I, I've certainly mellowed since those days. Oh, haven't we all? Haven't we all? Um, uh, then, because um, I, I want to kind of talk about here and now, but then, I mean, there is, it's just incredible that you had Scott Mills the musical at Edinburgh, which was uh, sponsored by Radio One, and Scott Mills was there with you every day, I believe. And he was in it actually. I mean, he was didn't he, have oh, he bizarre. Did he, he, yes, he, right. He played himself, but but uh, he played this kind of cheesy, smashy, and nicey uh, type of parody sure. DJ. That was an extraordinary thing. Yeah, I mean, it was such a short, sharp shot. We only rehearsed it for two weeks. Yeah. Desmond O'Connor again, uh, was partly responsible for some of that, yeah. uh, and uh, it was crazy. And we went up and did it for three days and being Radio 1 with all their publicity outlets, I mean, it was rammed. Pleasant, yeah, yeah. 
was and it was just absolutely rammed um extraordinary i mean and actually uh yeah, it was a crazy time my partner uh ollie was uh was helping me do that but he mm. was also playing stephen carter in what's wrong with angry at the king's head at the same time so there was a lot of uh, running was at the same time oh no it was yes i i, yeah. I do remember that 2000. my goodness um did this thing where he he was on stage at the king's head and he uh, he'd just taken a standing ovation for the play and uh there's a standing ovation in Edinburgh for Scott Mills as well, which I I played live to him as he came off sure. stage. That's a very fond memory. Sorry, I started to sound like I'm boasting now, so no, I should shut up. No, 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 but that's that's was, that's what we want to know. That's what we want to know. It was in it's, it's real. It happened, um, and you should about boast it. about it. You should about you should boast about it. Um, and then there, I'm going to and I'm going to jump ahead. To, and there was also the show Jump, um, which was also Edinburgh. <laughs> jump, yeah. Um, which. Again, I was I was uh, came through my agent. Uh, two lovely people, Toby Hirschman and Kelly Kingham, who had written this musical. They weren't professionals in the sense that they'd never written a musical before. And, right. Uh, I think they had seen Fail States the year before, or something like oh, that. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was a nice, you know, romantic little show. Uh, a departure for me, you know, it wasn't uh, issue led or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, it was a good show, but like a lot of shows, it kind of it comes and it goes. Um, you made some good, it, film, that, um, um, and uh, people came into your life in that show, and um, Stuart Saint and Stuart like Saint, and, of course, uh, yes, yeah. yes, who very much who I believe you have um, interviewed. I have, um, yes, yeah. <laughs> too much. Stuart and I are still uh, very good friends, and we are, in fact, uh, hoping. Uh, Stuart, I'm hoping he's going to help me get what's wrong with Angry on again this year. Brilliant. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, uh, and also I just love Edinburgh. You know, I, well, I, I used to love Edinburgh. Mm. Edinburgh full of ghosts for me. I mean, uh, going back, I first went to Edinburgh in 1987. Would you believe yeah, with well. Lost, the Twelfth Night? Um, wow. I haven't been every year since then, but I've been a lot, and mm. I therefore, you know, with different relationships with different partners with different plays yeah. i met ollie my partner i met in edinburgh so it yeah. must be a very special place uh but i haven't actually i went in 1914 <laughs> wow <laughs> my goodness you're looking grand i am aren't i <laughs> uh, with a play called keeping up with the jones written by the fabulous philip mix yes Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and yes. although I enjoyed the show, etc., etc., I, I just found that Edinburgh. I just, I think, I suddenly thought this is a young man's game, really. Now. Yeah. I, uh, it's such a, it's so much work for so little reward, uh, and I don't just mean financial reward. I mean yeah, just getting yeah. an audience. I mean we did all right, as it happens, but yeah. you, you just think, no, I can't do this anymore. It's also the, phys- the physical side of, of being there yeah. as a in any way, shape, or form. You're expected to be at every event and every opening and every bar, and it's just exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and also, the, the social side of it is is what's really exhausting, though. And that, I mean, you do yeah, you put it on yourselves, but um... I remember when we were doing Angry and uh, Boys at the Empire in 2008, and. Uh, four o'clock in the morning in yet another bar uh-huh. looking around uh-huh. at all these uh, you know the cast are much younger than i etc uh-huh. etc thinking what the f- am i doing here uh-huh. <laughs> it's kind of... uh, yes, I, I might get all this up they're saying let's go somewhere else I'm like, oh god 
Can we all go to? Can we sit down in a restaurant, have a meal like adults, and then we'll all go home and watch a show on Netflix, and we'll all get get an early night and ready for tomorrow? No, exactly. no, not I mean, allowed. I mean, I have memories, but I don't. You know that that type of Edinburgh is never going to happen for me again. No, no, I don't. I've also been up there with Broadway Baby, of course, as a critic, um, yes. which uh, is great fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, but I, yeah, again, I don't think I'll be doing that again. I just, and it's like quandary about being a critic now because, uh, although I might do some more for Broadway Baby in London, mm-hmm. it's just that on the on the receiving end of well, reviews. Yeah, yeah. I, I, mean, I, I, I mean, the, the, I was going to say this is actually something I was going to discuss with you. Um, I might have to let you wrap up soon, but um, is just the the fact that everybody has the ability to be a critic now and that's uh, well literally yeah. but li- literally and uh i i find that some of i mean broadway baby's not guilty but other websites and uh, i've kind of suffered under the uh, the hammer of some kids who and it's not their age it, but people who've yeah. never written them before and clearly haven't seen much theatre and don't didn't really get the point of things and I, yeah, I find that I, tough it's true and I suppose when I first wrote for Broadway Baby uh, I mean I did write some one or two quite caustic reviews of stuff mm-hmm. um, uh, I think I tried to be fair because I think I come from a position of having been a writer director well, actor myself so yeah. I'm not just seeing stuff but I in the end you have to say well whatever however crap the show is these people have, you know, put it, you know, put it together on a shoestring and you know, have rehearsed it, and and then a lot of them are very young and very vulnerable. And having said which, the reverse side of that coin is they are charging people money to go and see it. Yes. And yes. the problem with Edinburgh now is everybody has got five stars from somebody. Yeah. So it's kind of disingenuous advertising, and you pay your eight pounds or whatever it is, and you're going to see this production of such and such a thing, which has been described as the best production ever of this play and you think well it just isn't is it uh and you are charging eight pounds for it so it doesn't sound a lot of money in the scheme of things but you know what i mean people are on budgets in edinburgh so i think in edinburgh it's a rather peculiar thing where you do have to guide the audience to what you think they might want to watch yeah Um, yeah i mean i do have a i have a a project i'm i'm growing that might be suitable for that at some point but it's uh the, the the kind of just going up and putting yourself I don't know. For me, it's putting yourself on the line. It's different when it's. I mean, as an actor, it's different because you. Well, I blame the writer. <laughs> but as yeah. a, as, a, as I've never been there as an actor. I've only been there as a director. Right. Oh, and a, yeah. But, uh... I mean, I've kind of, I've, I've, I've tried all angles, and yeah. I don't know. We'll see. But um, anyway, this now I I have only just discovered this by looking at your website, um, and we may have talked about it after a couple of sherries but I, 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 this, I can't recall is that your latest film Charity can you tell me about that because oh, I yeah. don't know anything about it I really must update my website is, is, uh, are you, which website are you looking at it's, it's your it's your it's, it's, it's patrickwild.com I believe uh, uh, <laughs> Charity has been come and gone I mean it, it actually was made uh, It was a short film And it was made under the name In the end Although I think Charity Was a better title uh, Acquired Courage So it's a short film a very, Yeah it was very good Louise Jameson played the lead uh, Oh right okay And it was about a, a lady Who worked in a charity shop um, And <laughs> Her adventures Sorry <laughs> I'm not giving it a hard sell am I uh, <laughs> well, no I, 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 That sounds perfect viewing for me I, I, You know yes. the nature of short films Actually as short films go it was quite long <laughs> It's, <about 25 laughs> it's a long short film about a lady in a charity shop a long, 
Yeah. <laughs> See, yeah. It's. I mean, yeah. God, it's so good. You've thrown me, really. Oh, I'm sorry. That's <laughs> on my radar. Really, is uh, something uh, that is. It's. It's. It's in yeah, the mix. That, there, it, in the mix. Yeah. But you can probably. I'm not sure if it's on YouTube or not. Probably not. But uh, I was quite. I was quite uh, proud of it. Yeah. No. But it's quite often those things yeah. that uh, I know. There's certain things that I have been scrolled away somewhere and might be in. Oh, could yeah, could be on YouTube, and then you're most proud of, but that they don't get noticed. Um, oh. So, um, I mean, as I say, there's a roll call of a million shows that you've written for, from um, from Casualty and Holby, and um, my goodness, oh, Monica the Glen, and uh, and 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 on and on. But what's been of all of them? What was the one for you of of for television? What's the one for you that you had the most joy working on? Go. Cool. Well, I also I also wrote a lot of family affairs. And family affairs, my... yeah. No, <laughs> I, uh, I think uh, as if, um, yeah, probably as if it yeah. was. Uh, I mean, this life I'm very fond of, obviously, because it was a new thing, and also it was so it's such a cult, really. It became such a cult. But yeah. as if, uh, you know, there were three seasons of as if, and I wrote on all of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And watched the characters grow up in a strange way, and I tended one of the characters was gay. Yeah. And uh, I tended to write mostly his episodes, so that was I kind of wrote his three years of life. Does that make sense? Yeah. So he of, was kind of a bit, a, a, a bit of a, a son, in a way, a yeah. child. Uh, a Did I see Orlando Bloom. Well, it wasn't Orlando Bloom. Yeah, Orlando <laughs> it Bloom. Was another actor called Orlando, <laughs> and I can't remember his surname now. So I apologise to him if he's listening. But uh, uh, yeah, it was interesting, you know. Yeah, doing that thing. Yeah, it's a fascinating thing because I met him at a play once, and I went up to him and I said, "Hi, I'm, I'm Patrick Wild. I wrote blah blah blah." And he yeah. went, he kind of was quite polite. He said, "Oh, really? Nice." And I thought, "Fuck you." Oh no! <laughs> oh no! But, what a shame. But why? Why should he care? Oh yeah, no, why should oh, he care? Yeah. He did take... his job very well. well. Yes, but a bit, a bit of politeness <laughs> in the world. Um... It wasn't impolite, is the point. But I just didn't seem to matter to him. Oh, I see. Of, I see. All of those scripts that he'd done, yeah, had been yeah. written by me. And, yeah. uh, anyway, <laughs> um, so what is what's 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 next for you at the moment? What um you talking about? Uh, well, what's wrong with angry and you and and Stuart perhaps helping yeah. you? Yeah, I mean, what's wrong with angry? The route for doing angry because as you know, because we just mentioned that we've known each other a certain number of years. I mean, this is the twenty fifth yeah. anniversary of first production. What's wrong? It's also the thirtieth anniversary of section twenty eight. Yes. So this year would be a good year to get it done yes. running out of time kind of so if anybody out there has a theater free between now and december yeah do, do get in touch yes uh writing wise i've just been commissioned to write a book to a new musical and i've also written the pilot episode of a television series for the states which we're trying to get produced and yes. we're quite so that's quite exciting i'm not sure i should say names give it away just yet I'll, things but it's very close as as ever in this industry you know no you just don't um, you just don't celebrate until you sign the contract yeah. it's kind yeah. of, things just go tits up at a moment's notice yeah the temptation uh, to celebrate in advance is always there but yes yes absolutely yeah so that's where i'm at at the moment yes um and uh if people want to find you in the world of social medias you're definitely on twitter aren't you I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. Oh. Um, that's it. I don't do all the other things. Yeah, you Instagram don't. Instagram and all of those things. It's a lot of work. Grinder. <laughs> I, <don't, laughs> I, don't, I don't do Grinder, actually. But, no, yeah. 
it's fine. I find all that. I mean, I'm so glad I'm in a a relationship and have been for nine years now. Yeah. Yeah. Because I just couldn't couldn't handle all it's that hard. stuff. <laughs> well, no, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of it's a lot of upkeep, not just your own upkeep. Well, the upkeep it just your, seems. Yeah. So, I don't want to sound old-fashioned, as, as you know, we found different ways of meeting back in the day. <laughs> well, yes, yes. See my film. Uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, but uh, it just. I, I remember being in a gay bar. I don't go do the scene very much these days, but I remember being in a gay bar about three years ago. Yeah. It was it was kind of in the middle of the afternoon, so it wasn't peak time. Yeah. But I looked around the bar, and there were about 10 or 12 gentlemen there, and all of them were looking at their phones. Yeah. So was, they were all on Grindr. Yeah, I mean... look The person next to them... Yeah, yeah. Actually look I at the human... into the bar anymore, really. I know. I mean, but, it's it. Uh, yeah, I can see the I can see the pros and the cons, but yeah, I, I have a little bit of uh, eye contact and romance and all that stuff. That yeah, it does seem. Of difficult. course, you were in a fabulous play called The Gaydar Diaries, which uh, I still oh. have very memories of. Yes. Which uh, which was brilliant, and uh, the I mean, Gaydar was sort of the the daddy of them all, really. That was the very that it, was the tip. Tip of the iceberg, wasn't it? Really, now when you think about it, it's like that yeah. seems so in that's even all that stuff now seems so innocent and and, and, and yeah. fun. And oh well, um, oh goodness, <laughs> and the knees creak. <laughs> um, yeah. um, we should the Gaydar's Garden Diaries, the reunion, or something. Oh, oh yeah, cool. well, I mean, there's there is well, uh, there is Grinder the Opera apparently about to happen, so uh, yeah. I'm, I must go and see that, but um. Finally, last question that's not about theatre, but um, future of Pride in London. Do you think, okay, because I ask everybody the same question and I'm getting very varied answers, but do you think um, that Pride is still necessary? I mean, I you know my feelings and um, they're probably not that dissimilar to yours, but do you think Pride is still necessary? And if so, why? I think it is. Uh Again, without being boring, I mean, I first marched sort of in the uh, early 90s um, and did it every year for years and years. years. I mean, I used to march when people used to throw things at us (laughs) rather than Mm -hmm. photographed by uh, tourists. (laughs) Um, And I have no problem with the semantics of, uh, you know, it's no longer a march, it's a parade and Mm -hmm. all of that. That's fine. I mean, I think celebration of what we are and who we are is is fantastic. I'm sure previous people you've interviewed will have talked about the commercialization of it and yes. all of that. But I, yes. I do think it's important that it continues. I just, uh, there's a complacency about gay politics, if I can use that word, sure. which I get scared of, that everything's all right now, that everything's sorted, that everything, mm-hmm. you know, because I think in this country it is so much better than it was. Yeah. But look around the world, there are reports coming in from Russia already about gay football fans being attacked and. Uh, Etc. Right, I mean, uh, yeah. They had on the television the other day that chap who runs uh, the president of Tetania yeah. with Mo Salah yeah. having a photo opportunity. I mean, it's just disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, gay pride is a party now. You can't get away from that. Uh, yeah. I don't see what I don't see why people don't want it to happen. I think that's perverse. Yeah. Uh, and and we're not going to be able to make it what it was before because the the rules have changed. Yes. Unless we're going to ask people to throw things at us. <laughs> well, I mean, there's plenty. Of, the, first, the thing is, you know, I mean, I and I've said this to lots of people before and, and on and off the podcast, is just that I do feel that the, that the evidence of, of, of homophobic attacks 
in the last year in London on the increase and that that's why we should keep standing and then standing together and not being and and I'm again this is another I mean this is a whole podcast in itself but um the the kind of the divides between a community if we're a community still that those divides and that it's time to push all that aside and actually get back out on the streets together and and fight the good fight but Anyway. I agree, and the you know just that presence because there are still people who are who who are who seem to think gay people are, I know we are a minority if I can use that word, but mm. are such a minority, and and then you see that explosion of of faces and people and bodies and <laughs> color and yeah. music, and you can't ignore it. Yeah. I remember years ago when it was on the the Jubilee Gardens on the South Bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it was much smaller than it is now. And I remember going for a walk along the South Bank uh, away to, just to get away for a moment. Mm-hmm. And there was a, there was a couple of le- leather queens behind me. Yeah. Uh, and this middle-aged couple came towards us and they obviously clocked the <laughs> leather queens and said, there's two more of them. And I thought, just wait till you turn around the bloody corner. <laughs> but it's sort of, they'd always been sort of spotting little outposts of gays. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's why it's important that that yes. for people like that to yes. yeah be Brilliant. put in their place basically. Yes, little old ladies who should know better now. Um, Absolutely, <laughs> who work in charity shops. But no, Patrick, thank you so so much. It's been it's been marvelous. a pleasure. Um, and uh, and as I say, people will find you where they will. And if you do want to uh, have a chat with Patrick about. Um, assisting in any way shape or form on bringing things to life on the stage then get in touch with him directly or you can get in touch with me but um, Pat, thanks again you're welcome lovely to talk to you